Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of Cameron's Baseball Talk. As always, I'm your host, Cameron Capobianco. And today, I have a very special guest again, former Blue Jay, 16-year MLB veteran, and coach now, Greg Zahn. Greg, how are you today? Doing very well, very well. Trying to stay safe. Hope you're doing the same. I am as well. Now, during your time in the MLB, Greg, my first question for you is, did you have a favorite memory during that career? Oh, yeah. Uh, winning the World Series was far and away the, the best moment uh, of my career. There were some great individual moments that uh, you know come to mind, but you play the game to win championships, and I was fortunate enough to be a part of a World Series champion in 1997 with the Marlins. All right. Uh, do you have any more favorite memories during your career, maybe with the Blue Jays or uh, another team that you have? Yeah, yeah, I had a couple of really good uh, I had a couple of walk-off grand slams in my career, one in Houston and then one in extra innings against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, pretty pretty, pretty cool to, to end a game like that. Uh, not, not too many people in baseball history have had an opportunity to do it more than once. So uh, pretty special. Um, you know, there were some other, you know, fun, fun times that uh, – that happened. A lot, a lot of it comes to mind. You know, the people that I got a chance to, to be teammates with and share locker rooms with. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, you know, given the day, uh, you know, a year, a year and a day, or you know, ten years and a day to the, you know, you know, Roy Halladay's, uh, you know, no hitter and or perfect game, whatever it was. Uh, you know, it's it's. You know, it was eerie, eerie watching the. The, uh, the documentary last night but at the same time uh, thankful for every moment I get to spend with the guy um, and, and also a number of my other teammates that made, made my career pretty special for me. Now Greg let's talk a little bit about after your career and you went into a role as a coach now uh, after your time of course in the MLB. Tell us uh, what made you want to get into a role of coaching after that career? Well you know I, I started off I was you know, doing the television broadcasting for a little while, um, it wasn't a very challenging job for me. Um, it, 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 it came rather easily. It, it led to quite a bit of boredom on my part. Um, and uh, you know, when I when I stopped doing that, uh, I just I knew I wanted to stay in the game. And you know, some of my friends had seen me, you know, teaching kids, you know, just sporadically over over time. And, they said, well, you know, you really communicate the game well and you're, you're good with kids and, and you have a passion for the game. And, and, you know, they described my baseball IQ as, you know, best they'd ever seen. So I was like, well, okay, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. And then uh, uh, so I kind of threw it out there just like, hey, what, what would you think of, you know, Greg's on the baseball coach? Some people said, hey, you know, we, we'd hire you. And so I just kind of went out and did it on my own and, and – kind of got the bug you know I started to see the proverbial light bulb come on in the kids you know they, they they'd hear what I was teaching them they would able they were able to apply the methods the techniques and you know they started to become better players rather quickly and that was meaningful to me it, it gave it gave me kind of a new new sense of purpose uh, passing on the game you know, baseball is definitely one of those games that has to be passed from generation, mm-hmm. and, and I was lucky enough to grow up in a house with other other professional baseball players, and, and they passed the game 
onto me. So I figured, you know, I don't have a son. Uh, uh, so I decided that I needed to, to, to do what I could do to pay it forward, so to speak. Yeah, and I actually, I am also a former baseball player who went into a coaching role in my local Little League here in Oakville, Ontario. So I was pretty much doing the same thing that you were doing as well with the passing the game on to the younger kids and just teaching them how to play. Now, I want to go back for a quick second back to your career, and I want to talk a little bit about mental health. And obviously, one thing I bring up is one probably the biggest one um, is in 2005 with your career after you suffered a concussion against the Chicago White Sox breaking up a double play. Uh, how did that affect your mental health? Uh, honestly, the concussion didn't really... I never really suffered any post-concussion issues. And I really can't say that any of the head injuries that I've suffered... I mean, I've been knocked unconscious three times in my life. I fell out of a moving vehicle going 40 miles an hour when I was 10 years old fractured my skull and spent quite a bit of time in the hospital um so you know it's hard to say you know head injuries are different for everybody everybody responds differently to them uh i've got a pretty hard head i'm told and you know that that part of it didn't really affect me as far as mental health goes though the game of baseball uh you know took its toll on my mental health. One of the, one of the big things that I preach, especially within my training app, is the presence of mental skills training. Uh, and you know they they apply to everyday life, not just sports. Mm-hmm. It's it's very difficult uh, for for people to wrap their brain around. Uh, I, I would say you know use the word therapy uh, or training. You know, obviously, if there hasn't been any like real like mental trauma, you know, people wonder. You know, we're just not all born with the equipment. We're not all born with the ability to self-soothe and to uh, talk to ourselves in a productive way, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball is a game of failure in a lot of ways, and if you don't learn to deal with it properly and maintain your self-esteem, uh, it, it can be quite uh, had quite a negative effect on on your mental health. It's a tough game. There's a lot of inherent pressures, um, but one thing I definitely believe in is is you know training your your mental skills and and maintaining them and 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 always striving to speak to yourself in a positive and productive way. All right, Greg. Now I want to go back to quickly coaching, and obviously we're in a global pandemic right now with the coronavirus, also known as COVID nineteen. Um, so as a coach, what are you doing to make sure your players are staying healthy and are staying in shape uh, for, let's say, maybe the se- if the season will return for the kids or maybe, let's say, for next season? Well, our boys are, under, you know, they're being asked to maintain discipline and maintain a, a level of fitness based on the belief that we're going to play this year. Uh, you know, I have an elite travel team and they are – you know, they're not guaranteed of playing time. They earn it with me on a daily basis. And so I told them, because they all have aspirations of playing at the collegiate or professional level, that if they you know, if they want to take their game to the next level, they have to have next level commitment. And I told them that this was a great opportunity to bridge the gap between them and their competitors. You know, baseball players in Canada, you know, Age for age for age, or a year or two behind 
the Amer- the Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fact. I mean, I, I grew up in Southern California. The level of baseball being played there is, you know, it's 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 years ahead of where it would be here in Canada. That's why you see so few guys go to D one ball, go get drafted in the first you know first day, meaningful rounds. Don't have the training. They people blame weather and and you know, facilities. It's they don't have the training. They don't have the baseball IQ. Um, I'm trying to change that for my kids, and I tell them all the time. Look, you've got my you've got my training app, which is hours and hours and hours of instructional video. It's like having me as your baseball coach anywhere you have Wi-Fi. You've got the fitness training that we prescribed by our professional fitness uh, trainer to develop age-appropriate prescribed workouts for my boys. And they're held accountable. And they know that if we get back out on the field this year, if they don't pass certain tests, they're not going to play. They have, they have to have their arms in shape. They have to be able to run from here to there in a certain amount of time, recover and do it again and again and again. Otherwise, I'm going to know that they've done nothing. So I've, I've left I've left it uh, I've left no no mystery as to what I expect. I tell them on a daily basis what I expect. Uh, we have regular uh, team meetings over Zoom. I'm in constant contact with them through uh, our Instagram kind of chat, uh, where they are required to post videos of their training, whether it be hitting, throwing, fielding drills. So I see it on a daily basis. They're held accountable. I'm holding them accountable, and they're holding each other accountable, which is even more positive because they they know that they know that they don't want to let their teammates down, and they simply don't want to let me down because if they do, they won't see the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I bring a, a little bit of a different approach because it is a, an elite travel situation. We're not talking about house living where everybody you know gets to play. You earn playing time uh, through effort, and you earn it through being committed to your teammates and to yourself. I tell them all the time, don't tell me in one breath, that you want to play at the next level and then work your duties as a, as a, as an athlete or a, or a teammate and expect to, to get any empathy from me. It just doesn't, it's not going to happen and it won't happen. So mm-hmm. I'm a big believer. I, I'm tough, but fair, but I hold them all accountable. And, and I love the way they hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. They're only 15 and they're doing it already. Yeah. Now, Greg, let's get into a little bit back into the Blue Jays talk, of course. Now, but I want to talk to about the differences between obviously the Jays today and the Jays, of course, compared to when you were on the team. But before that, and on, I want to ask you a question about Roy Halladay himself in honor of Roy Hall- Roy Halladay week that just passed on Sportsnet and his birthday, of course. Um, so if you if you don't mind me asking, what was Roy Halladay like in the clubhouse? Like not just on the field, but also in the clubhouse. It was hard to know. He was aloof. Um, I had a special relationship with him because you know I caught him more than anybody else in a Blue Jay uniform. He and I spent a lot of time together mm-hmm. uh, at the ballpark, and, and you know, to some degree, away from the ballpark when we were living in Florida. He, he and I lived a stone's throw from one another in Florida uh, while I was with the Jays. Roy was Roy was hard to know. Um, a lot of the things that you hear uh, his wife Brandy say in the documentary, um, I, I did know. I, I knew. I didn't know about the dependency on opioids or any of the other ph- uh, pharmaceuticals. But the one thing I knew about his personality was is he always felt like he had to be perfect. He never, ever sat still 
at the ballpark. The only time he was still or not doing anything was when he was getting treatment or eating a meal to replenish after a grueling workout. He always used to tell me that his start day was the most relaxed and least physically and mentally taxing day of, of his five-day rotation because he worked so hard in between starts, whether it be fitness, throwing bullpens, working on his mechanics, watching video of hitters, spinning charts, doing scouting reports. He was the most prepared guy I had ever played with. Um, but that didn't make him fun time Charlie. He, he wasn't going to go out with the boys and drink beers after a game and socialize with his teammates uh, too often. He was never in front of his locker. He never was there. He was always doing something else, something to make himself a better player uh, and be more productive on the field. Uh, and you know what? That was his way. Um, I didn't begrudge him for not being, you know, you know the – the hangout guy, the fun time guy. You never saw Roy playing cards. You didn't play video games. Not sure if you listened to music. I just know that Roy, he was tunnel vision. And when he came to work, he, he brought his lunch pail. He put in a, a solid eight-hour day, and he went home. That was Roy. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Greg, let's get into the differences, of course, between the Jays today and the team that you were on in the uh, 2000s. So, obviously, the age is a one big difference between – your team, the team you were on compared to today's team. The Jays now have one of the youngest teams in baseball right now. Um, yeah. But there must be some other differences that you find between the Jays today compared to the Jays when you were on the team. Uh, do you mind maybe giving a little bit more explanation on that? Well, I will say this. The, the fundamental difference between the Blue Jays today and, say, the Jays of 10 years ago and, and you, you can basically just put this right across the board for most teams, not not the World Series champions, not you know the teams that are perennial players, but your garden variety major league teams. The players are not as fundamentally sound in today's game as they were even 10 years ago. And those players weren't as fundamentally sound as they were 20 years ago. The, the onus is no longer on consistency or polish you look at you look at these players and strikeouts don't matter anymore all they care about is how hard you can throw it and how how far you can hit it they don't place an importance or or priority on location for pitchers now it's velocity and and spin rate and i can tell you right now i don't i don't care how many times you make it spin if you don't put it in a good spot, if you, you can make the ball spin all you want, but if you throw it belt high down the middle on a regular basis, eventually you're going to start getting tattooed, and you're going to continue. Uh, hitters don't make contact. They hit a lot of fly balls because the balls are juiced. The stadiums are tiny. They, it's home run derby at the plate now. The, the, the lack of uh, results, the lack of outcome in the game, it's a home, it's a walk, it's a strikeout. Um Defense is a joke in the game of baseball today because balls aren't put in play. So nobody really has to be an amazing defender anymore. I mean, they're even talking about going robo-ups. And if that happens, the catcher, the catching position will basically become a robot. Can you hit and can you throw out a guy? And can you stop the baseball? They won't even need to catch it properly anymore. Um, and you don't need to look any further than the Arizona Fall League when they when they when they tried the robo ups. The catchers are back there butchering 
everything, even in a situation where they're not required to make for the umpire because the umpire is not even looking at the ball. All he's doing is listening for a beep. Um, the game, the game to me is, and, and, and the Blue Jays are just a byproduct of what the game has become, what it's devolved. My opinion, um, the the bean counters, the sabermetricians, the the scientists, albeit have have included a demographic of baseball fan who never played the game, who are attracted to the appeal of the numbers and all of the wonder and statistical analysis, and I think that's all fine and dandy. It's a fun way to look at the game, but not the way to run ball clubs. It's not the way to put together rosters. Um, you know, the fact that they're hiring people in the game now that are that are filling pivotal player development positions that have ever played the game is 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 a, is a farce to me. And you see it every night on the field. You see a ton of swings. You see. Uh, a kid like Vladdy Jr., who probably would be a good player, definitely overrated in my opinion, um, was brought to the big leagues way ahead of schedule simply because he was destroying semi-professional baseball in the minor leagues. He was never left in one place long enough for the league to adjust to him like they did with Bo Bichette. He spent six years at six months or six weeks at a level, destroy it because nobody knew how to get it out, and then they'd move him. And then when he got to the big leagues, they absolutely blew him up. They made him look pedestrian. But what the Jays failed to do was let him get himself into good fitness shape so they could go out there and play. The fact that they're talking about workload with a twenty-something-year-old kid is a joke. The fact that he can't play defense at a big league level and he's there every day playing third base is is ridiculous. What if, what if you're a starting pitcher? What if you're one of his teammates? You expect him to catch the ball and throw it accurately across the diamond and be able to move out of his own shadow to catch a baseball, um, you know? And you're not getting that because the Jays rushed him to the show. And why? Because of social media pressure? Because they thought that he didn't have anything left to prove at the at the, the minor league level. Well, I'm sorry to say, there's more to do in baseball than just swing the bat. And there aren't any players in the minor leagues. They're all in the big leagues. So he has nobody to compete against. This is, a, this is a systemic problem all the way across the game of baseball. Jays are just a, a, a one example of what it is. And the half have nuts. You've got the star player making twenty plus million dollars a year, and you've got the other guys making as close to minimum wage as as Major League Baseball can get. It. There's no more quality veteran role players out there. Um, you know, you look at Vlad, the poor kid, loved his dad, want to see him succeed, hope he does, but they rushed him, and why? Because they thought it was going to make a difference in what the the playoffs. They weren't going to the playoffs, and you saw. As well as I did, they only got 20,000 people in the stands for his debut. So he clearly didn't affect the box office in any way, shape, or form. So what reason did they really have for bringing a kid that young to the big leagues when he could have used a lot more development time in the minors? And they've done it with a number of other kids. Uh, the Jays have done it. Other teams have done it. And they're, they're just not developing players the way they should developed anymore and they don't have the patience to develop players the way they need to develop the game is not as polished 
And that's the big difference you see between the Jays of today, the Jays of even 10 years ago, certainly 20 and 30 years ago, is a lack of polish. Just not very fundamentally sound. All right. Now, Greg, uh, another question for you is going, of course, with the Jays of today and the difference, of course. Uh, Compared to the Jays of today, like you said, to maybe 10 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, um, what are some things that the Jays can improve on, of course, to, for the upcoming season to maybe get back to the Jays of 10 years ago or 20 or 30 years ago? Well, in my opinion, they need to overhaul the way they play the game. They need to stop all swinging for the fences. There are certain guys that are going to have home run power, and there's other guys that need to sit at the table. Everybody's got a role to play. Uh, not everybody can be a power hitter. I don't care what the balls are doing, what the ballpark says. You know, the fact that you've got – a guy who, who, in a legitimate situation, is a table setter trying to swing for the fences. And let's be honest, something's wrong with the game when the average season for a player with player plate appearances or more is 20 homers. 20 homers used to be legit. Back when baseballs were legit, back when the parks were legit, back when the pitching wasn't so watered down, back when the players were more polished and had had the ability to throw the ball in the strike zone. The Jays need to become more polished. They need to learn how to play defense. They need to learn how to run the bases better. They need to put the ball in play when necessary. Go ahead. You want to take two giant rips at it and, and try to go deep? Fine. But choke up with two strikes. Put the ball in play. Put some pressure on the defense. I always tell, and everybody looks at me like, oh, you're you're out. You're a doctor. You're out, of, you're out of date. I say to them this. You know what? You might be right the fielding percentage on a strikeout or a walk it's a thousand the, 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 the crappy defense that's out there today doesn't even have the opportunity to screw up unless you put it in play if you're not putting it in play you're not putting pressure on the defense plain and simple nobody steals bases anymore outfielders can't hit cutoff men heck they can't even throw the ball all the way to a pace anymore Mm-hmm. It's 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 come down to how hard can you throw it as a pitcher? How far can you hit it as as a, as a, as a as a position player? That's it. It's home run derby and you know radar gun readings. Mm-hmm. Now, Greg, my final question for you is: What are some tips you can tell kids and young adults who want to go into go to the MLB or become a coach like you? Well, obviously, you got to you know put in your work. You got to learn learn the fundamentals of the game. You got to to, as a coach, you got to be able to communicate those. There's more to it than, you know, can you use a rap soda machine? I don't care what they say. You need to know your stuff. Uh, it takes time. So pay your dues, put in your time, get your work in, uh, go out there and compete. If you're a player, you, you got you to learn how to do it the right way and then go out and compete. Uh, you know, work your way up, try to find yourself good coaching, try to put yourself in, in quality player development situations, um, you know, coaching is no different. You know, there's always be learned in this game. As soon as you think you got it all figured out, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, Greg, thank you so much, of course, for joining us on Cameron's Baseball Talk. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to do this interview with with me. We really do appreciate it. No, you bet, dude. Anytime. All right, guys, Greg's on a, of uh, – the MLB, former MLB player for 16 years, former Blue Jay, now coach. Guys, I'm Cameron with Cameron's Baseball Talk, and we will catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you.